This is The Intuitive Edge, episode 168, with today's guest, Academy Award winner, and recently nominated for an Oscar for his film, On My Mind, Martin Strange Handsome. I think I'm very intuitive in my gut feeling. Theme hidden within, and I have to be able to dig into that. Welcome to The Intuitive Edge. I'm Victoria Lynn Weston, your host. I'm an intuitive business consultant, entrepreneur, and founder of Studio Carlton. We're producers and developers of custom Amazon Alexa skills. I embrace big, bold ideas, and I love doing the unpredictable when it comes to helping business owners and professionals expand their brand, gain recognition, and attract new business. The future is here, and it's all about voice. Check out StudioCarlton.com. I love independent filmmakers. Anybody that knows me knows I love producing and writing my own independent films. I've done a few myself, but it is an expensive sport. The film is inspired by the director's experience of losing his daughter. In situations like these, singing a song in a sleepy bar suddenly feels so important, so meaningful, because it connects you to the life you've shared with the one you have to let go. The main character, Enrique, wants to sing a song for his wife. It has to be today. It has to be now. It's a question of life, death, and karaoke. My conversation with Martin took place in his car. I believe he was being chauffeured, but the sound on Skype was a bit uh, tingy, if you will, and I apologize for that. But the conversation and the passion that he exudes is well worth it, and you won't even notice the little tingy sound at all. First off, I want to welcome you. And second, I am so excited about your movie. I started to watch, you. Uh, you know, I got a, a screener link and I watched the um, first couple of minutes of the film on my mind. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was riveted. In fact, I actually got goosebumps and didn't know if I was going to cry or, or just sit down and want to cover under a blanket. And I thought, wow, what an incredible movie to have something that moved you so quickly and so fast. And I can't wait to go back wow. and watch more of it. So congrats on that. But first I want to say... Oh, thanks a lot. Y'all won a... Uh, not one. You were nominated for an Oscar. I saw the uh, the little video that you had posted on Vimo. And mm-hmm. I just got to ask, it's not your first Oscar nomination or your first Oscar, but what was it like? <laughs> As you can hear and see in the video, we are just over our heads in excitement. And... What was so great about this was that because of COVID, I hadn't had a chance to have actually a premiere for the crew. So we did that right before the annunciation, announcement. Uh, so the entire crew had just been able to see the film uh, 20 minutes before. And we were just celebrating the fact that we had made this film and how it impacted people who saw it. And, of course, the shortlist. And then we were seeing the nominations uh, live. So, as you can imagine, our, our mood was over the top. It's so exciting. I mean, to be nominated for any kind of film festival award is extraordinary, but to be nominated for the coveted Oscar has to be, you know, just mm-hmm. a, a star. It's a star and shows how, how rewarding your work, your writing, your directing, and the story. And the story, of course, is, is um, it's about love. So the opening scene, you know, is in this sort of, you know, uh, bar in this fellow that looks like maybe he's a homeless guy. We don't really know yet. And he, he's, mm-hmm. had a, he's had a few drinks and 
he wants and he insists until, you know, he gets it, he pays some money to the, the barmaid to play on the karaoke. On my mind, I, I didn't realize at the time it was uh, Elvis Presley's song, so you have that little bit going on. And it was it was so priceless to, to see this, this person want to play that and ultimately have it video recorded by the barmaid on his phone to go back and show his wife. And I yeah. want to ask you, because we don't normally associate karaoke with, with life and death, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's about time we did that. <laughs> yeah, usually karaoke is when people had, you know, a few too, you know, wines and beers and all that, and it's supposed to be a happy time. So why did you choose that, that theme for karaoke to be around something so, so emotional and so deep? Well, first of all, is because in a way I have a feeling I'm – I feel that a, a, a good pop song uh, often is so uh, right on in its, its lyrics and because it speaks so much to our hearts. Uh, and so the, the very good pop song has that universal feeling that connects deeply with, in our emotions. Uh, and that's why I wanted him to sing a pop song. I wanted him to sing this song. And also because this song... Uh, has that theme of, of, should we say, confronting yourself with your own shortcomings in order to be able to say goodbye. Yeah. And that was one thing that I really, really enjoyed a lot about the lyrics in this song. And then the funny thing is, actually, I really enjoy karaoke myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. And, and uh, the idea about this character who wants to sing a song and he goes up and he's keeps on trying to sing the same song actually stems from an, an, an experience where I, the first time I went to a karaoke bar, we had a rap party for another short film I'd made and I was in such a good mood. Let's just say a high spirits, yeah. <laughs> lift the spirits, <laughs> probably alcohol induced as well. Uh. And at one point there was a, one of the, I think it was a mega artist who said, Martin, hey, don't you want to sing a song? And I said, yes, yeah, sure I want to. And I went up there and I sang my heart out and I thought it was horrendous. No, it was marvelous. I loved it so much. Actually, I loved it so much that I stayed on the mic for three hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because I didn't get rule number one of karaoke is like you sing your song, you go down, someone else comes up. So every time a new song came on, I was just happy that people wanted to sing with me. <laughs> oh, how cute. How cute. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was this thing about not really getting the, or uh, should we say, twisting the rules of karaoke in a way uh, that was kind of stuck for me. So the main character, um, he wants to play and have it video recorded on my mind so he could take it home to, to show his wife in that. And again, you pick karaoke, which around life and death, a situation for him. And, and the main character is so moving. I mean, like I said, I only watched like the first, you know, a few minutes of it, and I couldn't wait to watch more because he was so riveting. I mean, you just want to know why he's doing this, and and so the question is that why did you, why is he doing that, without telling everybody, you know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, because this song meant a lot to his wife. Uh, it's it's a song that she, I mean, she's been playing it over and over for him, and that she's always had a deep connection with it. Mm. And so in that sense, that song reflects or reflects a lot of their life together. 
And she's always had this saying that she says about the song that he never really understood. Uh, she says something about, I don't know if you have come that far in the song, saying, always on my mind makes a soul fly. Uh, it's kind of, it lifts oh, it gives her me goosebumps. It's just, it gives me right. goosebumps. Oh. Right. So, so that's why it has to be that song. That's why he wants to sing it for her. Wow. So you wrote the you wrote this uh, story. You mm -hmm. also, I guess, directed it and, and produced it or co-produced it, right? Yes, that's right. So, what uh, compels you to create a story about this? Something must have happened um, in your own life as writers. That usually, you know, something that you know, sort of makes us moves us in some way and experience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, as one of the one of the things that, that this this story stems from is that the you know my own karaoke experience and my love of karaoke, it also <laughs> stems from something else, uh, which is at one point uh, in two thousand and one we had our daughter who was very very sick. She had a very severe uh, uh, dis disabledness, handicap uh, sickness. Uh huh. And we were going in and out of hospital all the time, and it was really tiresome, and there was so much seriousness. And I remember we—I knew that tomorrow I'm going to have—we're going to have this talk with the doctors, and I need to be focused. I need to be there, and I haven't been able to sleep for weeks oh. because of all this pressure and everything that's connected with her sickness. So I need to sleep. It's it's so important that I can be focused there tomorrow. Um, so what do I do? I go out of the hospital and I turn left and go on the street there. And then, oh, on the right, there's this dive bar. And I go in there and I ask for a double whiskey, no ice. Uh, and I have that feeling of going in there like an old western yeah. Stranger walks into a bar, nobody's there. There are two people there turning their heads, thinking, you're not from around here, are you? I, and I have that feeling going in there. And while I'm sitting there and I'm drinking this and commemorating and being in my very own, very dark and serious place, uh, uh, trying to deal with, I mean, my, my life situation, um, I remember these two guys next to me, and they are talking about something really surreal about, so what happens if you tie a, a rope around the globe, and you take one more meter, and you put it on, and how much uh, slippers there are on the rope the, all around the globe, it's, and it's so surreal, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, and suddenly I see this situation from outside being, I mean, I think there's half a meter between us, and we are in two different worlds. Completely different world. Uh -huh. You never know what your fellow man is carrying through, why he is in a bad mood, why he is a downer or, or maybe not a talkative or something like that. And that, that kind of stuck with me. And that's actually, I mean, that's the way the main character walks into the bar. So that's basically me walking in there. Wow, that's amazing. Now, this isn't your first time in, in the movie world. You actually went to uh, Danish film school in 2001 
and you actually mm-hmm. won a Student Academy Award then too. I mean, that's incredible. You can almost feel like you're just totally living out your destiny. I mean, you got to sort of, you got to sort of embrace your destiny at a young age. Most of us are out there still trying to still trying to find that wing to cling to it. But so you had a uh, Whitney graduation film called Feeding Desire. There's actually a right. um, I actually have a coffee table book. It's a very uh, exquisite coffee oh. table book that's called Feeding Desire. And do you know what it's about? No. It's all about the tools we use to eat, all the different types of tools oh. through history, the forks, the knives, wow. the spoons, and that. And yeah, I, found yeah, it, yeah. I found it to be so erotic when I found it because I thought, oh, this is so interesting because eating and the utensils and food and, and all that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really mm-hmm. kind of – but anyway, so I had an association with the feeding of desire about that of film. So course. just give us a little tagline. What was that about? Well, it was actually made – I didn't realize this at the point at the time, but it's made about that uh, having that enormous uh, responsibility, not only of being a dad, but being, uh, I mean, having someone very sick in your life. So for me, that that what happens in this film is that you have this man who's been, they, I mean, he's been with his wife, they've been married for 12 years, and they are fine. But it's also something that has become very, I mean, you know, the rituals of everyday life and everything thing becomes a pattern. And you can do everything uh, if you want to, but you're always obliged to each other in some way, right? Yeah. So one day he's like, oh, I remember when I was young, I was just, I would just go out and grab something to eat just on my own, just. And I'm not asking, not not uh, asking or answering for anybody, and going to the cinema and just watching a really really bad film. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really bad film. Plenty of them out and, there. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and not again, not answering for for anyone. And from and he just, oh, it'd just be great to have just a night like that. And he pops a little wide lie about him working late. And mm. uh, that actually. Uh, takes take speed because he gets so uh, intrigued by having these nights off so he goes out having more and more nights off and he's not and he's i mean there's no sexual thing in this it's just 10 minutes or an hour of your own time yeah and of course when people find out they assume something else he's having an affair yeah. So actually, in, t- in terms to save his marriage, he has to invent a mistress. Oh, my. That's different, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, that's that was my graduation film. But uh, but you also know that the year after I made this short film called This Charming Man Who Won the Academy Award. Right, I know. And this, yeah. And yeah, what was so that all that about? Was... You seem to write about these men. You, t- you know, I, I'm seeing a, a thread here about these yeah, men. Yeah, that's right. You know, so about these men and their desires, I guess, in a lack of, of better words, and right, what yeah. they want to achieve, and especially to their loved ones. So, I guess this charming right. man. What was he all about? Well, it was a, it was about a, a guy whose uh, whose uh, social security number is mixed up with a uh, Pakistani immigrant. And suddenly, he's the same character. Everything is the same, but the way the entire system and applying for work and everything, he's treated completely different. 
and then he meets uh, this this girl whom he himself bullied in school because she was a bit different and came from somewhere else and stuff like that. So it's actually a a kind of a a story about um, racism uh, or xenophobia in a way. Yeah. Uh, comedy about that. Yeah. Interesting. We also won a, uh, a Webby Award, and I think that's pretty phenomenal, too, because I know how Webby Awards are, and I know how much money it takes to enter those things. So that's a that's another um, kudos. Not as exciting as, as an Oscar, but still, um, it's it's a lot. Yeah. So it's a lot. Here you are, Martin, and at a pivotal point in your life, and you've won you know several Oscars, been nominated for a couple, and I mean, do you, let me ask you this. Since my show is on the intuitive edge, all about intuition and that, and I always like to feel like, you know, how intuition plays into our life. Let me first ask you, when you were uh, got this nomination for the, the current uh, film, On My Mind, did you have an intuition prior to that that you were going to be nominated? Did you have any good vibe? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, you always have good vibes. But, uh, <laughs> one of the things, I mean... But That's true. That's about, true. Uh, yes. Uh, and I think you need good vibes to be a director. Yeah. Because you need to believe that in some way in your project, right? So and maybe it's good vibes. Maybe it's you're very good at persuading yourself. <laughs> I think self-persuasion is a very pivotal thing to have. Not pivotal, but a very important thing to have as a director in a way. Because if you can't persuade yourself, then you can't persuade the rest of the world, right? Right. Um, so, so, yeah, did I have a hunch? Yeah and no. <laughs> I can explain it because it's a lot like wishful thinking. It's like, in, in a way, your intuition is immediately mm -hmm. skewed if you're trying to come up with the winning lottery numbers because wishful thinking. So I'm the same as you being this extraordinary director and writer for many, many years. Um, it's like you can't allow that ego to kind of slip in and, and have mm -hmm. that. Otherwise, you, you, you skew your work. Intuition, I think, always comes in whether you want it to or not, though. So it's like you can be busy at work and maybe you get this thing. God, this is I have a feeling this is going to do really well. I might just see myself being nominated and ultimately winning an Oscar for this film. So that's pretty neat. So as a writer and a creative, do you think you're very intuitive? Yes, I think so, too. Uh, I, I think I'm very intuitive in my it's a lot of gut feeling. Yeah. When one of the things when I get an idea for a, 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 a film or whatever, I let it sink for a couple of days and find trying and then if it's still there, it's like what is it that connects me so much with this? I mean, there's a reason why this idea speaks and keeps on speaking to me, and I have to investigate myself and trying to find out about that. And often, I feel that there is a personal theme hidden within and I have to be able to dig into that and not being afraid of it because often when often what you're confronting myself with is something which has a, a painful part There's a painful either a painful memory or a part about myself that I'm not very proud of or something like that so it's that's and that's why those themes always become interesting because it's a part that I'm proud of. It's in, not interesting, right? And uh -huh. I have to, there's nothing to investigate. Yeah, that's true. So when you have intuition, other than you know just a gut feeling, do you ever have visions in your mind's eye? Like when you're fleshing out the character, for instance, for 
uh, Feeding Desire or the current film On My Mind? I mean, do you do you see them? I mean, how do they come in your mind, right? Visually. Right. Yeah, but the funny thing is, for instance, here in On My Mind, I had envisioned a completely different character. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I called Grasmus, who plays the main, uh, who plays the protagonist, Henrik. Uh, I called him because one of one thing is I'd seen him before, and I think he's very, very good, and he's so scary-looking good. <laughs> really? Dude, he's big, and he's, I mean, and, uh, strong, and he can look really, really scary. So I thought he would be a very good match to play the barkeeper, someone that is... Hard to overcome if you want to sing the song. Mm-hmm. It's scary if it says no, you can't. So I called him and he says, "Well, I love the idea. <laughs> the, I, the story you're telling me makes me cry, and I'm, I mean, I really love everything about it. But I'm not doing that. I've played that character so many times, but I love the ma- the protagonist, and that actually made me think about why. Because my first uh, approach to the protagonist was that there was this." Uh, Kind of a small man, and he was nicely dressed, and he had just uh, shaven himself and made himself nice. Yeah. Because of what this day would bring to him. But when I talked to Rasmus, and he said that, that made me think about what, I mean, how much more depth this character would get if, if he was a big guy, and he has all these emotions that are playing on inside him, but they're harder to come out because he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. And that made me, that gave me a lot of opportunity to, to actually just take a lot of dialogue away because that kind of character would not be as interesting in saying why he wants to do that because he's actually afraid of making it all too real. Uh, connecting with why it is that he's doing the stuff that he's doing. Uh, so, so Rasmus is saying no made me actually uh, think again, and I'm that's very much part of my. I'm always like working in process, going okay, and but what would happen if I turn it around? Uh, so I'm very happy with the, with him saying no, and I called him a couple of I think four days later and said, you know, challenge accepted. Yeah, I love to, I love to see you play that part, because that could also give me another uh, comedic undertone within the two other characters yeah. that I uh, really enjoy. So you wrote this. So you wrote on my mind, and a lot of people. Are new to filmmaking and all that. So is the writer and then obviously the the producer and the director or not. You, you get to participate on all those levels. So when you wrote it, how long did it take you to write the uh, the screenplay? It's a film short, I should say. Yes, yes. Um, it did not take that long. I mean, we uh, we were very lucky that uh, Corona had locked everything down, right? Because of the COVID, everything was closed down. Uh, jobs and work and everything was just there was nothing yeah right so um i started writing this in the middle of january last year and um, i had kind of thought well you know it, it dawned on me that uh, because of air, the lockdown all the bars are closed so if you want to do a film in a bar this is the perfect time 
you can have it for free. Yeah, <laughs> just about. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And and at that point, uh, Prime Minister said, well, we are opening up at, in week nine, so that's the first week in, in uh, March. So that was just like my timeline going, okay, I'm starting writing this, and we have to shoot it the last week of February. So that's at basically a year from now. That's uh, not bad. A year ago from now. Uh, so that uh, so I had uh, five weeks uh, to write, cast, uh, pre-produce, and all that. And then, how did y'all raise the money for it? I didn't. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I said all these great credits and writings you have on your record. You know that you probably get paid. People probably want to invest in yeah. your films. Right, yeah. So I had a job the year before that uh, I could invest in uh, in the film, and then I went to afterwards after I shot it, uh, and I applied for some funding at some of the uh, local unions here in Denmark. The directors' union uh, actually gave us some funding, and the writers' union and the actors' union, and that's that's the funding for the film. That's very good. So, yeah. So, are you planning to uh, attend the Oscars? Yes, so I'm actually I'm leaving. I'm leaving tomorrow to go to the uh, Oscars luncheon uh, Monday, and then I am definitely planning to go to the Oscars. Exciting! So, you're bringing your your wife? I am bringing, and she deserves it so much. Last time, um, my my son got born one week before. Oh. Uh, I was there last time, so I was like, I, I had to, <laughs> I have to make a pledge and saying, well, you know, next time, next time. <laughs> oh, that's exciting! Well. I'm glad. I'm glad you get to bring the misses with you. It makes yes. it doubly yes. fun, especially when you win. I, I predict that anyway. Yeah. So you've been writing a lot of film shorts, though, and um, and I want to yeah. say, when are you going to write a feature? I'm, I have a couple of projects. I'm writing for another uh, director a, a feature right now um, about this uh, lifeboat, uh, life, yeah, lifeboat that rescue boat that could not uh, sink. Mm. And of course, like Titanic, you know, you should never say about a boat that it cannot sink because the <laughs> first time there was a storm and it went out to save three uh, fishermen who were. 25 meters away from the harbor, very close to the harbor, their boat went down and everybody died. So nine men in this very small community died. Uh, devastating this uh, small fishing community. And it's a real story. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I'm working on that. And I'm very excited about that. I love to work, about, I mean, work with real material. Uh, and the director, his mother's first husband was one of the men on the on the rescue boat as well. I know one of the fishermen who uh, who died. Uh, so there is a lot of local uh, material that I'm really using and using that language of that uh, and the rituals of that uh, that that area in which I, I really enjoy. And then I have a uh, a longer project. It's a Actually, it's a series about uh, six children, the age of nine years to nine months, the mm. siblings, and they're walking from Berlin 
to the Danish border in the last winter of World War II. That's also a true story, and I know one of the children. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's, that's going to be extraordinary then. Yeah, yeah. So have <laughs> you, have you written, written the script yet? I know I'm still, that one is uh, it's a big thing. <laughs> it's a big thing. So I have written the outline for all the episodes and uh, all that. Oh, cool. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I just want to say, too, that your film actually played here in Atlanta, Georgia, at seven different wow. venues in and around Atlanta. So I was wow. I was totally impressed because when your PR uh, company reached out to me, and I, first I wanted to go see the film because we hardly ever get to see these kind of films, especially short films. As you know, they're always kind of hard to get, you know, a lot of venues. And, yeah, um, yeah so it was in and around Atlanta, outside of, you know, outside of Atlanta and Augusta and all that. So it must have done extraordinarily well in those areas to get that kind of screen time. So. Again, I want to I want to yeah. tell I want to tell our, our listeners that on my mind um, is about love loss and the desire to keep that love alive in your heart, and that this particular story has a very deep connection to the director, that being you, and the film shares the experience of how Martin lost his daughter, and on my mind right. is dedicated to her. And that was my last question because I didn't I didn't realize that because I, I hadn't asked you when we talked about your daughter where she was at. That was actually going to be my last question, so I guess my intuition um, guided me to that. So I appreciate you sharing that story in, in the film. And, You're welcome. And personally, and like I said, I thought, I guess I, even for me, watching the first few minutes of it, it was just riveting, and um, I can't wait to watch the rest. And I want to, you know, congratulate you and, and your team, and I wish you the best of oh, luck on so this well. one and many, many more, and I, and I wish you the best. I appreciate you sharing your time. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure with talking to you as well. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with my special guest, Martin Strange Hansen, the Academy Award-winning filmmaker, and I sure hope, Martin, that you win this next Academy Award, an Oscar, so you could take home another Oscar for On My Mind. I know it's a special tribute to your daughter, and we wish you the best. For all you interested in this film, I would check out On My Mind. I would go to the Internet Movie Database, IMDB. Check out Martin Strange, Hanson there, and that's Hanson with an E. And um, keep in touch with him and his work. He does some really incredible, incredible work. Meanwhile, if you want to expand your brand and sort of explore being on a voice platform like Amazon Alexa, be sure to check out Studio Carlton. We do some extraordinary work, and I know we can do some very creative, extraordinary work for you, your company, and so to help you stand out from the competition. Until next time, enjoy the day.